Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to Hebrews 11. And uh, we're going to minister today on this subject of the foundation of vision. The foundation of vision. Tonight we'll be dealing with the fullness of the Spirit. But the foundation... Of vision. Now, very often when you think vision, you hear vision in the local church. It's something that can become redundant. It's something that you know, uh, uh, you know, people expect to go to Habakkuk chapter two, and and you know, we're going to look at though the vision Terry wait for it. Well, that's certainly part of it, but vision is so important because out of vision flows direction. Out of vision flows direction. Understand that vision is not marketing and vision is not mission statement. Vision is something supernatural. All right? A lot of churches are dropping the term vision and opting for marketing uh, 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 statements, you know, like uh, a mission statement or this is our brand. Well, I can tell you what our brand is, Jesus. Amen. Right? Jesus and Him crucified, that's the brand, because Paul said that was what the gospel was. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But vision is where direction flows from. All right? The vision of a church denotes the direction that they head. And a number of years ago, 1994, the end of 94, around some, some, somewhere around there, the Lord gave me the vision for our ministry. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, it says, Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made of the things which do appear. And so the Lord said that the vision for our life and ministry was to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. Build people's faith and frame their world by the Word of God. So that's the vision of our church. The vision of our ministry is building faith and framing their worlds by the Word of God. That's the focus. Now, when we look at that word frame, it means to make thoroughly fit. To make thoroughly fit. To make fit for something. To fit something together. The Amplified Bible says, uh, fashioned or put in order, equipped for their intended purpose. So that means that not only are we building faith in the Word of God and, and encouraging people in their faith, people are coming to our churches and they're being equipped for their intended purpose. That's part of the vision. All right? So it's not just a building, it's an equipping. All right, we, you could put it this way. You could be a, a builder of, a, of houses and you can lay the foundation and put the walls up and, and, and put the roof on and build the house, but then there's an equipping that follows so it can be a house. Four walls are not a house. Right? Not a, not a house. Because a house needs a kitchen, a house needs a living room, a house needs bedrooms, a house needs bathrooms. So there's this equipping. If you just have four walls, it's just a shed. And that's good if that's what you want it for. If that's its intended purpose. But if its intended purpose is a house, four walls don't make a house. And you could go even deeper. And if the intended purpose of that house is to be a home, a house is not a home. A home is what you make it. That's right. 
So equipped for their intended purpose. When you come to the local church, you find purpose. You not only find revelation, you not only find wisdom, you find purpose. There are people that are trying to define their purpose outside the realm of the local church and you never will. You never will because that is where God places a person to find purpose. Every part of the purpose for your life finds its center, finds its foundation in what God wants. And when you find out what God wants, then everything else can blossom and bloom in your life. If you don't find out what God wants, nothing else can grow. You can make advancements in yourself, but according to Scripture, that's the arm of the flesh and that will eventually fail. When you find yourself rooted and grounded in the purpose that God has for your life, everything else begins to open up. Then you become equipped. God cannot and will not equip you for a purpose that does not have His approval. Well, I want the wisdom of God and the favor of God for this, Pastor. Is that God's purpose for your life? Because if it's not God's purpose, amen. You know, there are a lot of entertainers in the world. Great entertainers, good singers. And, and they're, they're out making, you know, whatever. They think, they think they have it all together. They have not understood that they are missing the highest purpose for their talent and their ability. Which is singing in the church of the living God. That's the highest purpose for anybody's talent and anybody's ability. Right? And so, yeah, but they're successful. How do you gauge success? I gauge success by fulfilling the plan of God for my life. Isn't that what the scripture says? It says there will come a day when people stand before God and one group will say, but we did this and we did that and we did the other and we even did it in your name. And he's going to go, yeah, but I never approved of that. Never approved of that. So there's no reward for that because I never approved of it. I get rewards temporally now and eternally in the future based on how well I adhered to His purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Vision determines activity. Vision determines activity. I'm not going to take a lot of time and get into a lot of side issues, but if you have a vision for anything in your life, that determines the activity in your life. Because we're talking about the vision of this local church, the vision of this church is to build faith and frame worlds by the Word of God. So that determines our activity. So there are things that other churches will get involved in and they'll say, well, I, want, I would like you to get involved. No, we're not going to get involved in that because the vision determines our activity. And a lot of churches mistake activity for vision. Just like if you've ever worked in an office or worked with, with certain people on, on any endeavor. There are people I used to work with in the corporate world. They, they had a lot of activity. They looked busy and got nothing done. Because you can sit at your desk and shuffle papers all day and look busy. But the end of the month report is going to tell us how active you really were. Right? Amen. All I've got to do is look around this room at certain lives and the change that has occurred in those lives. And I know we're fulfilling the vision. Amen. A church must embody their vision. A church must embody their vision. So what does that mean? You're not just a member of faith builders. You are a faith builder. That's what you are. Uh, 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 one of our ministers was ministering one time in the church on, in a leadership conference we were having, and they made this statement. It's not, it's not a proper English, but you understand what they meant. They said, there's no not being a faith builder. If, if you say I'm a member of faith builders, then that's what you are. Right? 
In, any, anybody in here, any, any, any married couples, any uh, 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 wife, when you got married, whatever you were, and here's what I mean by that, Jones, Smith, whatever your last name was, the moment you became married, you ceased being that. You became Wilson, Poot Waddle, whatever it was. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because now I'm married. When I become something, that takes my focus. Amen. Every person in the church has to understand the vision of that church. They have to be able to articulate the vision. They have to be full of vision. This is why we do this, because our vision is to build faith and frame worlds by the Word of God. Amen. The vision of every God-called pastor. Let's go to Acts chapter 26. The vision of every God-called pastor and church is a heavenly vision. It's a heavenly vision. That's something that has to be remembered. What, What God gives to a church and that leader, that leadership as the vision. That's a heavenly vision. You don't just come up with a vision. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. You don't just come up with a vision like you do a marketing strategy. There's a reason that God has every church that's God-ordained and God-called in a city. It's not just to have another church. We're not here because Little Rock needed another church. There are areas, you've seen it, there are areas in our city that there is a church on every block on both sides of the road. Amen. I mean, you see First Baptist, Church of God in Christ, Church of God in Christ, Holiness, Second Baptist. Who would ever want to be the Second Baptist? I don't... I'm not making fun, but why are you going to be second Baptist? (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, here's here's the point. Why are they there? I'm not saying they're not God called, but why are they there? Why would you see a church on one corner and you go one block up and start another church? Did God tell you to do that? Is, 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 Is somehow that church isn't doing what they should be doing? I've got to make sure that what I'm doing in my city is what God told me to do, and I'm not just there because I wanted to be there. Amen. Acts 26, 19. The Apostle Paul, before King Agrippa, he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now, that's an actual vision that Paul saw on the road to Damascus. But every God-called pastor and God-ordained church, the vision of that body is a heavenly vision. Amen. It's not a a marketing ploy. It's not a branding. It's a heavenly vision. Everyone say out loud, heavenly vision. Glory to God. Amen. Strength of vision, clarity of vision will determine the clarity and the strength of the people. The stronger the vision, the stronger the people. The stronger the vision, the more easy decisions are made. Hallelujah. For instance, if I can use a a real uh, uh, easy example. If you have a vision for your personal finances, where you're going to be budgeting your money, uh, you're going to be making plans, and the stronger you are about that vision, the more secure your finances will be. When, when, I'm, when I'm talking to people, maybe talking about finances, I'll ask them, well, what's, what's, what's your vision for your finances? Well, I haven't thought about it. Well, that's, that's number one, that's why you don't have one, right? And, and number two, that's probably why you're in the situation you're in. Amen. Because how many knows that 
if, if you get a lot more money coming in and there's no conduit for it and there's no channels going out, you get a lot more coming in, you'll just get a lot more going out. Is that right? But if you get a lot more coming in and you've directed it seven different ways and you're budgeting for this and budgeting for that, amen. Then you look around in a year and boy, you've got a lot of things funded because you've got a vision. You're secure. Amen. If you see somebody that has a good saving system in place, they're not people that are afraid. They are people that have a vision for their future. Right? Amen. So a church, the stronger and the clearer the vision, the stronger and the clearer the people. If the vision's clear, direction is sure. If if you're clear about your vision, the direction will be sure. Amen. Have you ever been with somebody and 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 you know you're you're going somewhere and maybe you don't know. Uh, how to get there, and you ask them, uh, well, do you know where we're going? Well, not really, but you just lose confidence. <laughs> Amen. Uh, right? I was driving with a guy one time. We were coming back from a meeting. He had taken me to a meeting. I, I probably shouldn't tell on Jim Molson this way, but anyway, <laughs> he's not here yet, so uh, it don't matter. But the point is, we were coming back from this meeting. A guy had invited me over to do a, a faith seminar, and, and we were there for a couple of days. And, and so we're going back, back home, and uh, uh, I didn't pull out my phone because, you know, he, he had gotten us there. And so we're, we're headed, and uh, we're going the wrong way. And so I said, Jimmy, I, I think we never passed that road. I think we're going the wrong way. So he pulls out his phone and he starts, he's driving. And, he's, and I said, put that away. I'm in your car. I'll look it up. You watch the road. You say, why is that important? Because he didn't know where we were going. And when he pulled out his phone, instantly I lost confidence. I will look this up. Right? Amen. A church... And their vision is not like a fast break in basketball. You know what a fast break in basketball is? Organized chaos. Right? You just feel the lanes. The guy with the ball might juke here, juke there. You just feel the lanes. That's not God. God is not juking here and juking there and you just feel the lanes. God says this is the vision. This is the plan. This is the direction. Go with that. Amen. That's where we're going. The vision will get you to the intended place. That's, that's why no church, am I helping you with this? That's why no church, no pastor can look at what somebody else is doing and see and say, well, that's working, so we'll try that. You can't do that. Because here's what I've learned. If you're not attracting people that are impacted by your vision, then when the trend changes again, you got to stop what you were doing and change. Well, you know, but we want to attract this group of people. You mean the Word won't attract them? I think changed lives will attract any group of people. Hallelujah. I've got people in the sound of my voice under 40, under 30. I've got some over 40, you know who you are, over 50, we know who we are, we'll leave it there. But the point is, think about that, so every age group that we just mentioned is somehow being impacted by the vision and by the word. Now if it wasn't working, they wouldn't be here. The way things are set up, the look of a building, we want quality and excellence. But listen, the lights, the technology, that's not vision. That's tools to complete the vision. Are you with me? Strength and clarity of vision. Notice Proverbs 29. 
Oh, hallelujah. I believe you're in the right place today. Hallelujah. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Now, you've read this scripture before, but notice what it says. The King James says this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, now notice that. The people perish. Not the leader. The people. All right? The uh, 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 New American Standard says the people are unrestrained. The NIV says they cast off restraint. Now, this is important because vision does not restrain in the sense of binding. Vision restrains in the sense of parameters or guidance. Amen. Listen, if you've, if you've, you've ever raised children, <laughs> at some point they need some guidance. Right? I, I, really, I really have a lot of compassion for parents recently that, that have, you know, kindergarten age children and, and younger and, and that have tried to do virtual school. No, my Lord. No, my Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, squirrel, right? It just, you understand what I mean by that? That, that child, you got them there, they're trying to do virtual school and their attention's everywhere. Right? Why? In an in, in-person uh, 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 in classroom, they have parameters, they have guidance, Right? In a church, in a body, the vision provides parameters. This is what we're doing. This is where we're going. This is our job. It restrains. It's protection. Amen. Vision guides and directs the purpose, the plan, and the pursuit of the church. Hallelujah. In, in recently, uh, I was talking with my pastor. I was in a meeting that he was ministering in. And he was ministering on some things that I have personal knowledge of. I have personal notes that he ministered in the mid-1980s. You say, why is that important? You should be able to come back to your church on a regular basis and hear what you've been hearing. Because that's the vision. Hallelujah. Well, you know, but pastor, you know, every, every now and then, you know, we need something new. Really. That's what the Bible says in the book of Acts. That the people that Paul was dealing with in Athens. The godless people. It says that's what they spent their time doing. Trying to find something new. How, how would that translate over to your marriage? Well, you know, every now and then I need something new. I, look, I can look at all the married ladies. I see the look on your face. That would not work. If your husband walked in the house and said, Well, baby, I just, I need something new. <laughs> Let me give you a new view of the ceiling. <laughs> that's not, that's not going to work. Let me update your vision for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, so always lay there, no, just when he says something dumb. But here, here's my point. That vision is safety. It's security. It's protection. The, the little book that we give to our newcomers, the, the, the four benefits of church membership, provision, protection, perfection, and promotion. Those are all things that are found in the local church with a strong vision. Protection. You don't have to worry that something different is going to be said or something, you know, that's, that's out there. It's what builds faith and frames worlds by the Word of God. 
When you come to the church, you'll, you'll find your, yourself equipped to be the husband God called you to be and equipped to be the wife God called you to be, equipped to be the man or the woman of God that God called you to be. Amen. It guides. It's security. It's security. Amen. Is that right? Now, oh Lord, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I've heard people before leave my church or other people's churches. You know, it's not a sin if somebody leaves your church. But the, 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 the reasoning behind it is so important. I've had people that I knew God had spoke to them and told them to go somewhere else, another state, another, another place, whatever. I have no problem with that. But then I've had people that have come up to me and said, well, you know, the Lord's dealing with us to leave. And the Lord wasn't no more dealing with them to leave than I'm on the moon right now. Amen. But here, here's, here's my, my reason for saying that. Somebody will say, somebody will say, well, you know, they'll leave a church. And then they'll say, yeah, oh, it just feels good to be loosed from that bondage. What they mean is it feels good to be loosed from that responsibility. Because the responsibility to grow was on them in that church. The responsibility of vision. Amen. See, vision is safety. It's important. Hallelujah. The people that minister in our churches are the people that have caught the vision. If you catch the vision, you're safe. If, if it's ever about me and about exhibiting what I can do, my pulpit is not a place for you to show how anointed you are. What are you going to do to the people? Are the people the forefront of your mind? I don't care how many Holy Ghost songs you know. I don't care how long you've been doing whatever you've been doing. That's not what qualifies anybody to function in our churches. What qualifies them to function is do you have the vision? Are the people at the forefront of your mind? Do you want to build their faith? God gives me enough revelation for this church and the people that we bring in. Am I helping you this morning? It provides your job as a minister, keep the people safe. Keep the people safe. I've heard people over the years talk about certain quarterbacks in the NFL. They say, well, he's not a great quarterback, but he's a great game manager. Well, what else do you want? You want somebody that's going to manage the game and not let you lose the game. Hallelujah. Why is this important? Because of the security and the safety of the people. Look at 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel 3. Oh, hallelujah. First Samuel 3 and verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Notice this. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Why? There was no open vision. There was no open vision. The vision of a church is the word of the Lord for that church. The Amplified Bible says, the word of the Lord was precious and rare in those days. This tells us how important vision is. And I don't, I'm not going to teach on this, but I think it's important that we also see, you see in verse 2, that Eli, who was called to lead the people, could not see. That's what, can, Brother Richard, can you put that next verse up there for me, please, sir? Verse 2. It says, his eyes begin to wax dim. Notice that he could not see. If you don't have vision, error will be the result. And God brought Samuel on the scene, who began to what? Hear from God and get a vision. It was precious and rare 
in those days. Vision is more than just a marketing slogan or branding. I kind of get put out with these in vogue words, if we could say that. Branding, community. And you'll see the the minister up there in his skinny jeans and his t-shirt talking about their community of believers. We're the church of the living God. Not making fun of anybody. I'm saying we are what the Bible says we are. Well, you know, that just doesn't go with our brand. Well, what do you mean by that? What's the vision? Ultimately, the vision of a church is to reach anybody and everybody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The vision of the local church is the purpose for that church. As a pastor, this is so important. As a pastor, I don't determine what we do. I determine that what we do is in line with the vision. People will come and they'll say, well, I'd like to do this and I'd like to do that. Well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I don't even get to do what I want. Is it in line with the vision? Remember I told you the story. I had a, a, a man and his wife come one time and they, they had a vision for the worship department. Well, we put, we've done great productions for, for Christian television. Boy, sure enough, they gave me their resume and it was impressive. And we've got, we've got wonderful ideas. Had only been in my church one time. Well, well, wait a minute. I don't even get to do what I want. You got to be faithful and hook up to the vision, right? Do, do you see that? The vision for our worship team is to bring glory and honor to Jesus. To sing songs that minister to Him. Not the latest top 40, top trending songs. It's His vision. The problem that we have today with a lot of our worship in churches is we've got, we've got people that are barely out of their teenage years that have not experienced anything where the things of God are concerned and they're trying to lead people into worship of the Lord. Amen. We, you don't get your theology from people that have no concept of how God operates. I'll move away from that. Amen. Hallelujah. When you really want somebody to pray with you, you want somebody that knows how to pray. You want somebody that knows how to get a hold of God. Right? So you don't go to somebody that just started praying. You go to somebody that knows what they're talking about. Amen. If, if, if you're talking, if, listen, if you want advice on marriage, if you're talking about marriage and you're giving advice and somebody's been married six months chimes in, the only thing you can do is laugh and shake your head. If you, if, if, if you want advice on that, who's been married 40 years? Who's been married 30 years, 50 years? Who's, and, and not just together. They're not just roommates. They have a good marriage. That's who you want to talk to. Are you following me this morning? So we determine that what we do is in line with the vision. The vision God gives a church is the distinct calling of God for that church. I said this earlier, we're not just another church in town. We have a reason for being here. Building faith and framing worlds by the Word of God. I've seen this over the years and it's always bothered me. You know, a, a, a minister that has a great calling, and when I say, or excuse me, calling, following, you know, television minister or something of that nature, they'll decide they want to start a church just as an arm of their ministry. They're not called the pastor, but they just want to start a church. So it can be another arm of income. 
Well, here's what will happen. They'll go start a church in that city, and then people from other churches will go to that church. You have to have a reason for being where God told you to be. I'll say this, and you do whatever you want to do with it. I'm I'm just telling you what the Lord told me. When we started this church, I was was talking with a a man that I have great respect for, and, and he said to me by the Spirit of the Lord, it was one of those words of knowledge, words of wisdom, we were just talking, and he said, you need to bill yourself as the new Word of Faith church in Little Rock. That's what I was told. Now, it witnessed with my spirit. The Lord told me, When you came to Little Rock, you picked up the mantle of the Word of Faith. Now, I hesitate saying things like that because people read things into things that I'm I'm not saying. But that's what the Lord told me. I have a reason for being here. God said He needed a Word of Faith church in this city. Now, but there are other people who say they're Word of Faith. I'm not talking about them. I don't know what they are. I know what God told me. Do you see this? You don't just go start a church just to have a church. There are people under the sound of my voice. You didn't have a church when we started this church, and God brought you to a church. There there are people, Vernon sitting back there standing in in the parking lot of a church saying, God, is there a church that I can go to that I that will love me? And, and, and God directed him to the La Quinta. There are other people. All I'm saying is we're not here because we didn't have anything else to do. There's a reason for being here. Oh, glory. True God-given vision makes a church strong and solid. Now, there are some things that are shaky foundations. We'll go through them real quick. Am I helping you this morning? The first is this, personality. And you could add to that charisma. Personality and charisma are not to be despised, but they cannot replace vision. They cannot replace vision. This is important. Because the Lord said to me one time, He said that uh, a church can be built on different things. Then He went through this list with me. And the first one was personality. Every pastor, this is so important, and I I think pastors need to know this. Every pastor, should Jesus tarry, will eventually be replaced. Well, why? (laughs) Because I'm not going to live forever. Only the Word of God and God-given vision will remain solid. Amen. That's why you see churches and and somebody will come in, they'll take the, the, the leadership of that church and they'll change the vision. Well, people that were connected to that vision and people that were God called to that vision, they're left out in the cold. Are you following me? I've got to remember that. Because to change the vision is to change the direction. The reason that something exists. Amen. So personality, you can't build a church on personality. I remember one time uh, my pastor told me a story about a minister that came into town. And he wanted to meet with him and so he did. He met with him and he told him. He said, uh, uh, I'm going to build the biggest church in town. And my pastor said, okay. <laughs> Amen. And, you know, he, that guy started a church. And it was somewhat successful. But you know where most of the growth came from? Other churches. A church with a God-called vision cares that other churches are successful. I don't need to be successful at the expense of the church down the street. There are people that God wants to reach through our ministry that He is reaching through our ministry. We don't need other churches 
to suffer for us. Well, you know what? It was just a few months later that pastor came back and said, well, I'm, I'm leaving this church and I'm going to start another church. My pastor said, you can't. He said, why? He said, the people. You, you see? A person with a vision has the people at the forefront of their mind. What's going to happen to the people? What's going to happen to the men and the women of God? The thing that drives me to do right, to lead my life right, one of the main driving forces is what will you think? How will my life affect you? The Bible says that the pastor is an example to the flock. Amen. It's, it's not that you're mistake free. Listen, I have made many mistakes. Just ask my wife. She, she won't tell you all of them, but she will nod in agreement. I've made mistakes. Everybody has. But here's, here's what I'm trying to explain to you is that a person with vision says the people are the focus. Hallelujah. So number one is personality. Number two, trends. Trends. The the world is moved and guided by trends. Just the word trend tells you the temporalness of it. Well, the trend is this. If you've ever worked with the stock market or dabbled in the stock market or even just looked at it on the news. They use that word a lot. Well, the trend is this. Well, how many have seen the trend trending up and overnight the trend fall apart? Because it's, it's temporal. The church is the change agent of God in the earth. And we're guided by the word and the spirit and the vision God gave us. Not a trend. Now, now, don't misunderstand me. There are people that get in, in all the new trends, but then there are people that just want to stay in everything old. Well, we don't do things from the past just because they're from the past. Everything in the past was not good. Well, I'll give you an example. No makeup, ladies? I don't see one person go, yeah, I'm for that. Right? But yet that was a trend in Pentecostal circles in days gone by that you had a Jezebel spirit if you wore makeup. I, I remember that. You know, makeup's not bad just because some people look like a clown. <laughs> Nobody in here, but you, you understand what I mean. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. But, he, but here's the point. So, so that was in the past, and, and in those churches, there was a move of God. There were people that were healed and saved and set free and filled with the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't because they didn't wear makeup. It was because they honored the person of the Holy Spirit. So we don't bring that out of the past and try to institute it today and say that is what brought the move of God. That's not what brought the move of God. Amen. No more than a full building being a sign that you have a move of God. Hallelujah. Am I helping you this morning? Today, much of the emphasis is on dress. Now, you probably knew I was going to get here eventually. But how you dress is not vision. This is important. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk about this for a moment. You hear a lot of come as you are. Well, I mean, what does that mean exactly? If I called you this morning at your house at 7 o'clock, how were you dressed at 7 o'clock? And I said to you, come as you are. Would you really come as you were? No, you would say, well, wait a minute, I, I need to, I need to, right? As my mother would say, I need to at least run a comb through my hair, right? Something. This is important because we talk about come as you are. And, and, and what we're saying is, you know, it doesn't matter how you dress. Well, folks, in the long-term scheme of things, how you show up to church 
in reality, especially in the beginning, it doesn't matter. Because there are people that, that we say they don't know how you should dress in church. Well, here's my point. God is not looking at how that person dresses. He's looking at their heart. God can change how a person dresses if He can change their heart. But the emphasis on dress is from the leadership down. This is a problem. (laughs) Because this come as you are. You come to our church, we're laid back. We're not stuffy. Hmm. Our pastor doesn't wear a tie and a jacket. Well, isn't it amazing that same person will sit and watch a sports cast on TV and the college coach that they like so much is in a suit and tie. The broadcasters are in a suit and tie. And never once have I heard anybody say, I didn't watch that because they're so stuffy. Those coaches with their suit and tie on. Hmm. No. We're not religious. Right? Well, a tie doesn't make you religious. There are a lot of people I know wear ties that are the farthest thing from religious. (laughs) Amen. There's a church, I won't tell you which one it is, it's not too far from where we live. And you drive by and it has all these signs out in the yard of the church. Come as you are. We accept all people. We accept everybody. Well, the church should accept everybody. I mean, in the sense of you're welcome here and God will change your life. Then they had a sign up that I I just really... It said, bring your pet with you. And this is what the sign says. Have a little D-O-G with your G-O-D. Now, just the sign is dishonorable. Now, if somebody comes to church, they have a service dog or something of that nature, that's fine. I've I've had that. But I promise you, if you showed up at my church with your dog, I would ask you to either put the dog in the car or take him home. This is not the place for the dog. Well, I wouldn't come back. Then you could worship at home with your D.O.G., Because coming to worship God, we're not that laid back. Hallelujah. See, this is important. Because because in recent years, the focus has been, we want everybody to feel comfortable. You know, we we want to dress down because we want everybody to feel comfortable. What we've lost in that is our honor. Right? And what many ministers are doing is they're just trying to stay with the trend. It's not about the comfort of the people. It's they're trying to stay with the trend. There's a Greek word. It's caruso. K-E-R-U-S-S-O. Caruso. And it means to proclaim or herald a message. In, in Bible times, this was the message proclaimed by what was called the Carex, K-E-R-U-X. The Carex was uh, the official spokesman of the king. His job was to preach the message the king wanted to give to the people. Proper attire was essential when the Carex stood before the people to speak on behalf of the king. That's important. Dress appropriately and honorably when you're speaking for the king. Amen. When when a person handles the word of God, they should dress appropriately and honorably for what they're talking about. I've had people say, well, dress doesn't matter. Beg your pardon. I'm going through all this to tell you. Dress is not the vision of our church. It's to build people's faith and frame their worlds by the word of God. But when you start building a ministry on we're laid back, I find it interesting 
that we've seen a rash of laid-back pastors recently that had issues. I don't think you can start approaching your presentation of the Word of God dishonorably and not lose something in your life. Amen. Are you following me? Hallelujah. Well, I just want to go somewhere where they don't care how you dress. Listen, how you dress is your business. I am not the dress police or the pants police or any other kind of clothing police. I'm talking about for the man and the woman of God, when you honor God with the way you present yourself and the way you present the message of the gospel, amen, you try to build that as your vision. And it will all fall apart. Hallelujah. The ineffectiveness. One man said this. I loved this. The ineffectiveness of the ministry is what made it irrelevant. Not the way the churchgoers dressed. Because I've heard people say. Well you know. Uh, 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 that church. You know they're just. They, they wear suit and tie. And you know it's just irrelevant. It, uh, that's not made it irrelevant. That's not what made it irrelevant. The ineffectiveness of ministry is what made it irrelevant. Hallelujah. Oh, here's one. Cultural ties. Cultural ties. Well, what does that mean? You know, black, white, Hispanic. Folks, listen to me. There is no black church. There is no white church. There is no Hispanic church. There's only the church. That's it. And ever whatever nationality that you may be. There's no black church. I, I can't tell you the times I've had people come to me recently and, and, and even years past. And someone would be uh, 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 black or a different nationality. I had one man come to me one time and said, uh, uh, you know, my wife wanted to come to your church. And I said, I'm not going to have no white man to be my pastor. Well, that's a sin problem. That's not a white or black problem. That's a sin problem. If you're sitting in my church today and you see a white man behind the pulpit, you got bigger problems. Because it's the word of God that's being ministered. If a white man sits in the congregation and sees a black man behind the pulpit, he's got bigger problems. There is no white church or black church or Hispanic church. One man asked Pastor Caldwell one time, and many of y'all were there around this time. You know, Pastor Caldwell, the agape attracted the anointing and the word of God, attracted people of all ethnicities, all races, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, all, Filipino, all kinds of races. And, and a pastor got with him and said, we want to talk to you and find out how we can get some black people in our church. And pastor said, you're missing it. He said, that's tokenism. You just want some black people. I started a church. Not a black church. Not a white church. Not a Hispanic church. Just a church. And whatever ethnicity you are, you can show up and be used by God and feed on the word of God. And we make no distinction. Amen. But we will not market ourselves towards a group of people. Why? Because that, that's unbiblical. Paul, who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Jew through and through, died in the wool, was sent to the Gentiles. To the Gentiles. Hallelujah. What does that, what does that tell us? God does not just send, God does not send churches just to one group of people or one side of town. Amen. That, that can't be vision. That's not vision. And I, I've had people say different things. I've had them say it both ways. Well, I couldn't go to a church where a white man's my pastor. Why? Are you that prejudiced? That, that a white person, a white man or woman can't teach you anything? See, that's prejudice. That's not popular in the world because we're not supposed to say black people are prejudiced. Because somehow that's politically incorrect. 
But if you're honest with yourself in this room today, black people and white people, you know you know some black folk are prejudiced. And they don't like white folk just because they're white. There, there are young African-American men and women that have enjoyed the prosperity of this nation. They have no concept of what their mother and father and grandmother and grandfather went through to win the civil rights movement. They are living in the prosperity and the victory of this great country that we call America. And they have the audacity to say somehow the white man's trying to keep them down. And they're living more prosperous than any generation of their family ever lived. Amen. And then there are white people. Well, there, there's certain people, they, they're just out for a handout. They want everything gave to them. That, that, is a, that is a statement that covers all groups of that race, every person in that race, and you're not allowed to make that statement. Number one, you don't know all black people or Hispanic people, or Asian people. No more than you know all white people. I wish every white person was like me. We have a pretty good world. That's my opinion. Hallelujah. But I, I look around here, and, 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 and I wish all black people were like Larry Clemens. Tracy said, no, no, no. <laughs> now, you know I'm going to tell on you. You know I'm going to tell on you. Hallelujah. Now, now, why is that important? Because that becomes vision for people. Am I helping you? I've, 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 I've went into to black churches before. And it was interesting to me how they had to emphasize that I was their white brother. You know, I wanted with everything in me to go, what? Oh my gosh, you're right! Now the reason I'm saying that is, see, that can't be vision. Because the Bible says, you remember the Bible? You remember the Bible? It says, in Christ, there is not Jew or Greek. Is that what it says? So how can we say there's black or white? Amen? Shake my hand. Any of that get off on you? None. Amen. Because, you know, he's not really black. He's kind of mocha. People say, well, what color are you? I kind of, yeah. But my point is, when people start marketing towards that, it's not vision. They're just trying to build a church through a cultural tie. But let a guy market him as a redneck church. And everybody would be up in arms. Well, I got rednecks in here. <laughs> That's okay. But we're not going to market and say we're the perfect church for rednecks. If you want to move of God, we're the place. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, we're a church, we're, we're a church where the down and outers can feel comfortable. Well, yeah, but we're also a church where the up and comers can feel comfortable. We want them all. We want up and comers and down and outers and those in between. We want everybody. Because if you come here and you're a down and outer, you'll be an up and comer. If you come here broke, you'll leave blessed. If you come here sick, you'll get healed. And it doesn't matter what gender you are. There's only two, male or female. doesn't matter, black, white, Hispanic, whatever. You come here sick, God will heal you. God will deliver you. God will set you free. That's the vision. Amen. Oh, glory. Well, I like that church. They have black style worship. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what people mean by that. Well, you know. No, I don't know. Tell me. 
Well, you know music you can move to. Well, you can move to all kind of music. I mean, in a lot of churches, the most dancing you can do is the waltz, but I mean, you understand. (laughs) Folks, listen. I'm not black. I never will be. I'm not Hispanic. I never will be. This church is based on the word and the vision God gave us, not on race. Not on ethnicity. Amen. You don't have to turn there, but Mark 16, 15 and 16. It says, go into all the world. One translation says, every man's world. And preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So notice, the gospel to every man. Believing the gospel is the key. The gospel to every man. Now the fourth thing. That a church is built on or can be built on. The anointing, the word, and the vision. Matthew 16, 18. You'll remember Jesus said, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. On this rock of what? This rock of revealed knowledge of who Jesus is. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Is that what he said? So notice, the gates of hell will not prevail. Notice Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23 and 29. The last part of that verse, talking about the word of God. It says, is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. And the Amplified Bible says, the rock of most stubborn resistance. That's so powerful because that means if you're coming where the word's being preached, It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, what race you are, what gender you are, where you're at in the social economic standing, whatever's going on in your life, if you come to a church where the Word's being preached, the Word, which is a hammer, will break that thing in pieces. Hallelujah. That's the key. There is nothing in people's lives that cannot be changed or overcome by the power of the Word. Nothing. There is no bondage so great it cannot be broken by the power of the Word. Amen. It it doesn't matter what it is. I've heard people say, well, we have a homosexual ministry. We all have a homosexual ministry. Everybody's got one. If you minister the gospel, you've got a homosexual ministry. You're called to minister to the homosexual. You're called to minister to the drug addict. Not necessarily by having a program, but by having the Word. Having people come and sit in the Word. I promise you, if you will give the Word of God in this church six months of your life, it will change irrevocably. You will change. Your life will be totally different. Why? Because of me? No, because of the Word. Because of what the Word's saying. You cannot come where the Word's being preached that you don't prosper, that you don't begin to get better physically, that your marriage doesn't begin to change, things begin to take a turn. Why? Because you're hearing the Word of God. And the Word of God breaks into pieces the thing that's trying to be stubborn, and it brings life and victory into your life. Glory to God. The only lasting substance to build a church on is the Word and the vision God gives that church. People will go into a church and they'll, into a town, and they'll look for a Baptist church. Well, why are you looking there? Well, I was raised Baptist. Right? Or a Catholic church. Or whatever. You name it. Pentecostal church. You need to be looking for where is change occurring. Where can my life change? Amen. Amen. Now, this is not always fast growth, but it's sure steady growth. I'm about to wrap this up, but hear me. I want people that are going to sink their roots down into the Word of God and say, this is where I'm going to stay and not be moved. Not because you're loyal to your church. You should be loyal to your church, but you're loyal to your church for a reason. You're loyal because your life is changing. You're loyal because what's being said is the truth. 
You're not loyal to the denomination on the sign out front or the person sitting in the pew next to you. You're loyal to what the Word of God says. Amen. I remember I was a boy growing up, and uh, when I was part of the time when I was growing up, we lived in, in South Florida, and uh, uh, that would have been a great place to stay. But uh, we went to Assembly of God Church. My dad was an evangelist, and, and you know, there wasn't a lot. There, well, in those days, there were no Word of Faith churches. I mean, I can remember when there were none. You know, early 70s, mid-70s, there were no Word of Faith churches. You had Word of Faith ministers, but... Uh, uh, you didn't have Word of Faith churches. So we went to the Assembly of God Church, Pentecostal, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, uh, man, we went there, and they had a great pastor. I mean, they had a great pastor. He was just a good guy, good preacher. And, uh, well, as it is with many denominational churches, his tenure there was up. And they headquarters, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm, headquarters got a, you know, and, and they moved him to another church, maybe a better church or a bigger church or whatever. And they brought in another guy. He was just as good a preacher. He was, in my mind, I was just a kid now, but just as good a pastor. But, you know, I remember there were people that left because their pastor left. Well, I understand that. I mean, I understand that in, in that sense. But in that sense, the vision didn't change. He didn't come in and change anything the church was doing. He just came in and, and went with the flow and, and started preaching the word. Hallelujah. The Word is what changes your life. Not the vessel that it comes through. I've had people before tell me, Oh, Pastor, I'm so glad I got in contact with you. My life has changed because of you. No, my friend, it's changed because of the Word. Thank God for our pastors. I love my pastor and I honor him. And what he has said in my life has truly changed my life and I'm grateful for the for the vehicle that he is don't misunderstand what I'm saying you should be great you should be grateful for me but anyway the the point is the the point is it's not the vessel when you sit down and you eat a great meal you don't credit the plate it was served on for it being so good the plate got it to you but it's not what made the meal so good. It was the orchestrator in the kitchen, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, the anointing that anoints what we're serving. And that's what changed your life. That's what made it so good. Are you following me? So Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The things which do appear did not come from things which do appear. So this is who we are. You are a faith builder. That's what, that's what you are. And when you invite somebody to church, you're helping their lives be equipped and fashioned for the purpose that God created them to be equipped and fashioned for. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?